Hi, I'm Josh Ledgard, and this is the On Growth Podcast from Kickoff Labs. In today's episode, we're talking to Dr. Sham. He's a doctor with an entrepreneurial streak. You'll learn why one of his first ideas failed and how he changed his marketing playbook to include Kickoff Labs for his most recent success. What I love about today's story is how he didn't validate his idea by asking, would you be interested in my eventual product? He created a validation campaign that asked people to come to a helpful webinar where he was going to present some solutions people could use right away. This strategy is something anybody could do if they were concerned with putting up yet another waitlist page to build their audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please search for Kickoff Labs on Growth in your podcast app of choice and give it a subscribe. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Josh Lightgaard from Kickoff Labs, and today I have with me Dr. Sham from WellMedic. Um, WellMedic is a company that has now helped over 10,000 doctors pass their postgraduate exams within the last 18 months since their launch. Uh, Before they launched, they connected with Kickoff Labs, and we're certainly going to talk through that. First of all, I'd like to get a little background on you. So thanks for joining us today and and sharing what you've learned uh, with our audience. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So could you tell me do you have a technical background? Uh, or you, did you come up? You obviously you have a you have a doctorate. Are you a doctor primarily? How would you describe your own background? Uh, so I'm a doctor with a strong interest in creating communities. So I qualified as a doctor in 2013, uh, and I. I effectively went through a huge amount of burnout as a doctor in the first two years of graduating and I was looking for anything to leave being a doctor so I had got married at that point uh, and I had quite an awful experience getting married uh, well planning my wedding not getting married Um, and we um, I I effectively thought well this is a horrible process so I'm going to try and improve the wedding industry and as naive as I was uh, I went down the route of creating a tech startup for weddings um, and that that I learned lots through that unfortunately it didn't go to the plan that we thought it was going to go through um, and following that I just kind of rekindled my love with medicine and went back into practicing as a doctor and I'm now doing the equivalent of what's called family family medicine or general practice in the UK mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pr- I would say I'm primarily a doctor now, but I now use my skills as a doctor and the skills that I gained from my startup journey to now help doctors who were in my position a couple of years ago uh, to to get to that stage where they can qualify from their postgraduate exams and then and then practice as a as a family medicine doctor or a or a general practitioner. Uh, that's great. So let's uh, let's go back. You mentioned you mentioned you started a business, uh, a startup about improving the wedding experience. Can you tell mm-hmm. me what the what that was specifically? And and we were talking earlier. You mentioned like I think I did everything wrong um, <laughs> in that business. So could you kind of walk through that for our uh, for our audience? Yeah, of course. So it was a it was a business called Perfect Planner, and it was an online marketplace which helped connect couples to vendors of their choice based on their individual requirements. So it was what what we what we hoped to do was to try and curate suppliers or wedding vendors based on the budget that a couple had or their specific religious requirements or the number of people that they wanted to invite to their wedding. We we set up a, a system which worked on a kind of initially it was very traditional in its setup in the sense that we asked people for monthly subscription fees and they can advertise and we had different packages. And at the very beginning, we really struggled to recruit. We really struggled to recruit uh, wedding vendors 
rather than couples. So we were trying to build like which side of the marketplace do we build up first? And we really struggled with that. So we went back to the drawing board and thought, okay, well, we, re- we need to be really niche in what we're doing. So we went down the route of being very specific around Asian weddings. So you've probably heard of like your your big fat Indian wedding, mm-hmm. uh, for example. And we, we really we really narrowed down on that community. And we found that there was some specific pain points within that community. And then what we did was we built up the other side of the marketplace and we set up kind of loads of Google ad campaigns, which were relatively easy because it wasn't competitive keywords. We set up some Facebook ads as well at the time, gained quite a good number of couples that were using the website. And then what we said is, look, we've become the experts in the Asian wedding market um, and we now want to secure like a percentage profit instead. So that's how we built up the um, the, the business. Now, the big mistake that we made was uh, we didn't quite think about disintermediation and how we were going to process payments. We didn't really think about the user journey at the time. So from planning your wedding to getting married is like an 18 month period. So we didn't quite think about the logistics of how we were going to be paid. Um, so we just ended up with a massive burn. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, we had to close the company down. But yeah, that, that that's the, the journey in a nutshell, really, about how the wedding business went. Yeah, that's really fascinating. So you guys, uh, you guys, you start this business and you chose the most hard route, which is I'm going to build a two-sided marketplace. And then you started out and you said, we're going to make it a general audience on both sides at first. And so you said, yeah. we're going to make it doubly hard. It's for everybody. Yes. yes <laughs> and exactly then that. once you did niche it down and start building up the audience on on both sides of a niched side of it, then it sounds like your issue is just not thinking through like, okay, there's a timeline. These customers last a fit amount, set amount, and then they churn. Yeah. Like, how are we being paid over time for all this? And mm. uh, and that became a, a challenge for you guys. Yeah, pretty much. That that was the biggest challenge at that point. And I guess like the difference between that business and this business is this business. I really understand the user. Mm-hmm. In that so now, now we're talking about WellMedic. Yeah, obviously. yeah. And so with WellMedic, obviously, you, um, can you give, uh, I think you gave your, your pitch already, but mm. uh, so you're helping doctors pass their postgraduate exams so they can start their own family practice. Pretty much, right? yeah. Um, and so when I go to the WellMedic, web, the WellMedic website, the first thing I see is like, our highly successful courses help GP trainees pass the MRCGP, which, yeah. which I assume to your customers means uh, means a great deal. Obviously, <laughs> when I read it from the US, I'm like, I don't know what that is. So you're doing something better niching down to your customers here. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before we were talking that with this business, you did customer validation before you got to the point where you have where you've had uh, you know ten thousand dollars, ten thousand doctors pass. So yeah. can you talk to me about how you did the customer validation besides just knowing that you know for you personally it might have been helpful? Yeah. Yeah. So so um, again this again, feeds back on the mistakes of the previous business, doesn't it? In terms of Mm -hmm. there wasn't a huge amount of validation that we did at that point. I just thought I had, we we had an idea and we thought it was great. So when, when it came to this business, we had an idea, we thought it was great. We thought we could help people, you know, pass their MRC GP. Um, But I was just hugely reluctant in building a product and doing a whole amount of the tech side of stuff this time. Mm -hmm. I just thought we need something that's going to be really quick that we can we can you know test some of the assumptions that we have and the biggest assumption that we had was that um you know there is 
a challenge in achieving this qualification like that was the biggest thing for us and how we went about doing that was effectively where as you mentioned earlier kickoff labs came in for us as the way of validating our assumptions and we just wanted to do something really quick where we could test to see whether people really had a pain point in passing this exam and 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 that's where the campaign really kicked off from. Talk to me about the campaign because I I think that this campaign was interesting because while some people are setting up and using Kickoff Labs to validate an idea by essentially just pitching the product that doesn't necessarily exist yet, you were pitching something to that audience that was helping them solve their problem, but not necessarily like the product itself that you were doing. That's true. End. So talk to me about what specifically you were offering as part of this customer validation campaign uh, through Kickoff Labs. Effectively had a 15 point strategy in my mind in terms of how they could pass this qualification. That, that's what I had. That was my product. And what I did was or what we did as a team was we set up a webinar that was our hook or our validation as such and we just wanted to see how many people were interested in attending a webinar which would help them pass this exam and was this a paid webinar or a free webinar no this was a free webinar so you're giving that away for free that you were going to have this webinar in terms of helping them pass and was it sort of an overview of the course you were eventually wanted to sell or was it like a module of the course itself so it was it was an overview so we had this 15 point strategy and what we did was we we summar- we we summarized it into less than an hour mm-hmm. but but what I did this time round which I hadn't done for for other businesses was within each point there was almost a reason for why people would want the course so mm-hmm. for example there's lots of medic- me- medicines that we need to use drugs that we prescribe okay and part of the part of the exam is really understanding the intricacies of those medications you know when they're not suitable what happens if a patient is pregnant what happens is if a patient is breastfeeding and you need to know all of this information and one of the things that we had done in our own preparation for this exam is we had built up that into a big table already so by just using that table you're going to save yourself about three weeks of revision time Mm-hmm. So considering that when you when you take these exams, you're working at the same time and you're working in very busy environments in mm-hmm. the hospitals, for example. So um, we knew that by by just sharing these little key pieces of information throughout this webinar, that when we then come to the end of the webinar and we sell the product, uh, that the conversion was going to be higher. And actually, the conversion was really, really good for the product. And, and, that, and that's how we that's how we kind of use that webinar as a as another extra pull in addition to everything that we were we were offering as a reward within the the campaign itself. Let's talk about the campaign a little bit um, in more detail. So you, um, how did you find Kickoff Labs? Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Really easy to use. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, the feature of just having the landing page on there and just having a landing page builder for someone who's a non-technical founder, that was great. So you like the the simplified landing page builder, but um, how did you, uh, so you just built a, a sign up page for the webinar within Kickoff Labs? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And how did you go about marketing that sign-up page? Because our customers, you know, a lot of people can figure out like, okay, the the, the builder is easy enough. I can get a page yeah. out there. And then there's like crickets. And so yeah. you had, you told me uh, 800 doctors had signed up for this webinar. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so how did you go about marketing to doctors to the point where you got 800 people to sign up? It, interestingly, the, you, you're absolutely right. You build, a, you build a page and you think, okay, so I built the page first and then, retrospectively well not retrospectively but after building the page i thought okay but what i'm going to do now i have this page i have this webinar that's coming up uh you know how are we going to get it get it out there so i did the kind of 
I, I remember reading a book called Traction, which is mm -hmm. like, I can't remember who the author was, but it was like kind of the different types of ways to kind of get traction effectively to this landing page. Uh, and I, I just selected kind of three ways that we thought we would do it. So the first way was that I had an email list of doctors that I had worked with already over the last kind of eight years or so since I qualified as a doctor. I just kept everyone's email in a separate list and I just mm -hmm. sent a mail shot to everyone saying, hey, by the way, this is something I do. If you know anyone who's taking this exam, you know, please, please send it to them. So that was yep. kind of the manual way that we did it. The second thing that we did was um, I set up some Google Ads. because I had quite a lot of experience from the previous business on using Google Ads. So I set up an ad campaign um, and I went for a, so I, Initially, I just set up a test on some of the uh, kind of generic words or generic exam phrases that we were using and then just kind of iterated the campaign over a couple of days um, until I found what I felt people were clicking onto the website and signing up with. And then and then I just kind of improved that campaign. And we, we spent uh, not, not a huge amount of money, to be fair. It's not a, an overly competitive space on Google. Um, and then the last thing we did was we we went down the, the kind of Facebook ads route and just created some nice graphics. Uh, I used a um, another kind of tool called Ad Espresso, which I've used previously and just churned out loads of different ads um, just with some different copy. Um, and then we used that. And and and, and ultimately, um, the most success, the success from the campaign actually came from a kind of handful of people who had signed up that then did most of the sharing for us using Kickoff Labs. So you had of the 800 people that signed up, a lot of them are coming from people who would turn out to be influencers that you discovered through Kickoff Labs. Exactly, exactly that, yeah. And were you offering them anything for sharing or is it just like, a like, hey, you know, you, if you know somebody, sign up for this as well because you, they might find it useful? So, so interestingly, and something that I've come to learn about my community is that they almost want our business to be their best kept secret mm -hmm. because you're directly in competition with the people that you're trying to help. <laughs> so when you're sick, when you're taking the exam, you're then you have to have almost like a, you don't need to, and this is a possibly a misconception, but, but you, you, we're naturally quite competitive as doctors. So we don't naturally help each other when it comes to exams, because if mm -hmm. you think about trying to get into doing a doctorate, it's it's very competitive, so we 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 found that actually sharing isn't isn't overly straightforward. However, within this campaign, what we did was we there was a mystery around what we were offering, and the mystery the initial mystery was solved by one of our ebooks. So we created an ebook which we gave as a very low hanging fruit. As long as you shared it on your social media page or share, uh, referred kind of one colleague, you mm -hmm. immediately got your hands on the ebook, and that was, I think, where a lot of the success came from. And then following that, once you'd had a read of the ebook, then there was um, a kind of follow-up email sequence that we set up using ConvertKit, um, and then we said, look, the second reward is that we'd guarantee you 10% of our cost when we launch it, uh, and then the third kind of reward, which is the hardest one, was that look, we'll just give you the the, the cost for free. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how we incentivize that sharing to take place using the influencers on Kickoff Labs. That's uh, that's all very cool. And so the 800 number of doctors that signed mm -hmm. up, I think you mentioned uh, earlier when we were chatting before this that you were happy with the result because the audience that you thought you had was around three and a half thousand. So how did you yeah. know what the potential audience was? So the potential audience is, is the number of, of trainees that take that exam pair, yeah? 
So okay. we know that for, from the body that governs the examination. So we knew we knew that that year we had three and a half thousand people that we needed to get to. That were going to uh, be interested in, in being in able that. to in making it easier for them to pass this exam. Yeah. And actually, if we, if we really look at the numbers, it was probably 50% of that that were probably focused on taking the exam at that given point. Mm-hmm. So if you break it down that way, we've effectively secured 50% of our audience, which was, yeah, which is massive. It was beyond what I thought we would achieve, to be fair, at that time. That's amazing. So can you tell me then, um, since since you did this launch and since you, uh, you, how did you go from having this list, you have this webinar that, mm-hmm. people, that uh, I assume was well attended, um, and you said each point in the webinar was a reason to buy the course at the mm-hmm. time when you had the webinar did you have the course live then at that point that people could buy right away from the webinar or is that still another waiting period for people um no, no. so so we had an incomplete course <laughs> that's the best way <laughs> that's the best way to describe it so we had most of it ready Th- this idea effectively took place over a four-week period whilst mm-hmm. working at the same time so uh, we had enough we, we did have by the end by the by the webinar day we had enough to sell and and we, mm-hmm. we sold directly off the back of the webinar so you did invite the people to purchase for at yes. the webinar and you yes, had yes. enough to sell meaning that you had in, like the first parts of the course that you knew yeah. people could get through. And then you were saying the second part will be posted in exactly that two weeks or something exactly uh, that yeah. where they could get onto it. Yeah. And, and so, of course, cause, cause it was like, it wasn't fully ready. Like we said, look, this is a, this is like an initial introductory price. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, you will never get it at this price again. And that yep. introductory price always helps kind of draw in those initial customers as well. Yep. So you're giving them something as a reward for being like yeah. early adopters, for exactly. being the influencers, for being the people who signed up uh, for the um, for this webinar. Exactly. So how do you go from? Uh, it doesn't have to involve kickoff labs, obviously, mm. but how do you go from uh, you know 800 people sign up, signing up for this initial webinar uh, to 18 months later you've helped uh, 10,000 doctors pass uh, pass these exams? Because that's quite an achievement. Um, yes, and I want to know how you carried the business to that level. It's 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 been a real slog, and I'm sure everyone who has a business will 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 um will kind of agree probably agree with me on that in terms of trying to you know trying to push the needle every time is really difficult because initially you get that give and then it stops mm-hmm. and you have to reassess and then you got to give it that next push and each push for me is a bit more difficult in terms of how we push it on now interestingly for ourselves and and this all stems back to kind of our initial launch our our main um our uh, our main um our main signups are from referrals. So people who have already used the course, they've passed. And once they've passed, then they're willing to tell their friends uh, about it. So, so that, 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 that's the general journey. However, we've had to do a lot of content-based marketing in order to secure um, our customers and become a relevant um you know, a relevant body within this industry. Uh, and the way that we've done that is by, you know, we have a blog, we've written some some really interesting blogs that answer very specific questions for our audience. So just stuff, stuff that's not necessarily around the product, but around their pain points as um, trainee doctors. For example, um, there's a portfolio that they need to complete. So we talk a lot about the portfolio, 
there is a big problem about how much do you earn as a training doctor. So what I did was I just shared my entire salary for three years with them. And and that blog piece, piece worked really well. So I, like I just I literally just went through all my pay slips over the last 36 months. And I just published it onto a couple of infographics and then told them how they can calculate what their salary will be. So that that worked really well. We set up a podcast which would go through clinical scenarios around the AKT. And actually, that's been probably our our best acquisition tool outside of our kind of email marketing referral system. Um, and rather than doing like these big podcast episodes, like 30 minutes to 45 minutes, what this may be, uh, we created a micro podcast series, which is effectively like a four minute podcast episode. And it, it's enough because our retention rate on that's really high. Um, and then they learn a bit more about the business. And, and, and that's done really well on Spotify. It's done really well on Apple Podcasts. So, so that's been a good acquisition tool. And then we do lots of email marketing. Like once we have, like I can share some stats around our email marketing. Um, I'll just uh, bring. No, up I'd, our... I'd love to hear it because I hear people as as resistance all the time say like, "Why do I want to collect leads email address? Why why don't I just connect with them on Facebook? And won't that get me enough customers?" Yeah, yeah, I see ex exactly what you mean. So, so our our uh, average open open rate in terms of all time rate is sixty five percent. Our uh, engagement rate, if we look at it over the last kind of 30 days, we have because ConvertKit lets you do that kind of engagement rate based on stars and 92% of our our email list have engaged with our content in the last 30 days. So so that 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 really helps kind of reassure us that our email marketing is working. Um, and it's just it, initially when I did the email marketing, it was very uh, it was very like, here's our product. This is what you need to know about our product. And we've completely shifted away from that. And we've gone to we've now gone to just telling just just informing because it's a very personal brand. It's very much mm -hmm. around my journey. So I just share things about what my practice is like at the moment, what my pain points are like at the moment. And, and I think that that helps kind of just build that kind of personal relationship with people. So I, I think that's been quite cool. No, I can see like going through your website, I've been going through as you were talking, you have, mm. uh, you've built up a tremendous wealth of content in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, I'm sure, driving a lot of your traffic coming through, mm -hmm. people signing up. Um, I love the idea of the micro, the kind of micro um, content and the micro mm. podcast. So where did you come up with doing like, oh, you know, instead of, instead of these, you know, because that's the opposite of what you hear. You hear like, oh, you mm. should have really long content. You should have like 10,000 word blog articles or you should have, you know, a, a 40 minute, you know, 40 minute how to pass this test podcast yeah. where it's all answered in one one episode that people can just listen to. Mm. Um, so what drove you to doing this kind of micro content like this? I, I think understanding the pet, understanding our customer um, and having been through that journey myself I I know that when I so you know how we have to work on in the hospital at the same time of preparing for this exam mm -hmm. sometimes you only get maybe five or ten minutes in the day to actually sit down and when I was preparing for the exam my initial thoughts were okay I need to do something within this 15-20 minute period that I may have now if it's a little bit longer uh, I'm going to do some revision and then I thought okay great um why don't we set up these little podcasts that people can hear when they've got a couple of minutes spare? And that's exactly where the idea came from. And so, so it was just really understanding that pain point and how it adds to that journey. And now I get quite a lot of messages about, 
oh, I'm on the way to work. I just have your podcast on repeat because it just keeps going through different clinical podcasts. So mm-hmm. we have almost like people reusing the the podcast. And then what it does is that it 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 it, it kind of shares because what what I do in the podcast is I share a clinical scenario, but mm-hmm. then I follow up with the theory behind how the episode was made. So this has come from this guidance and this is the information that you need. And if you sign up to our course, we'll teach you about how you can do this for every clinical scenario that you encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's almost like a bit of a tease in terms of like, you know, the, I've done these podcast episodes, but you can learn everything, but for your day-to-day practice, as long as you follow these techniques. And that's effectively where the course is coming. So for the, uh, for the, another question about the the podcast so mm-hmm. are these scenarios that you're doing the episodes in i'm looking at scenario 45 the fit yeah. test, fit test uh, yeah. here are these scenarios they're really specific and i assume there's sort of an unlimited number of scenarios that could be on the exam um yes, that you guys see in, in sample exams and so you've got like you could keep doing these forever and then so, what you're pitching to sell if somebody at the end of the podcast is like hey if you take the course we'll walk you through like how we come up with these answers exactly that exactly that and if you go to our our most expensive course which is is our a mock course which is a kind of 200 uh, question podcast well effectively it's 200 questions that they can do and then we have like a small podcast episode just explaining where we how we came to the create the question but also how we found the answer to that question so effectively we just use the same podcast format to then mm-hmm. build another course as well which has worked really well how do you have the time to generate all this these this content do you have people uh, do you have people on your team that are helping with the blog posts and the and it looks like you're doing the podcast and so yeah so so we, we have a team of three people uh, so it's it's a very small team uh, yeah. one of the, uh, one of our uh, co-founders is my wife who also works as a family uh, family medicine uh, mm-hmm. practitioner so so we we do it together um and um yeah it's just uh, it, it's it's okay in terms of it doesn't require a huge amount of effort for me to d- uh, or for us to develop these scenarios because mm-hmm. this is just our day-to-day practice mm-hmm. so for example i i see a patient with uh, this morning as an example with gallstones okay pain in their tummy vomiting episodes so i can use that kind of okay well i i'm gonna just let's let's just see what the guidance says about gallstones just to remind myself and then when i get home on the way home i'll just write a scenario down and say okay well there's a scenario about gallstones and we can recycle this as some content so we just keep keep information within a google sheet mm-hmm. um and and whoever has time just accesses it comes up with a bit of content and and then we just keep posting stuff out regularly no, that's great. What else would you tell somebody who's maybe going into the uh, the business of thinking about starting a business where they're selling courses? Like, what haven't we talked about that would be great advice, you think, for somebody who wants to make um, either like a full-time job or on the side, make extra yeah. money selling a course um, about something? I think there has to be the, the most difficult thing about, uh, or the, the most difficult thing for me about building the course was preparation of the course, about how um, there has to be a good structure um, to your course. So really think about the delivery and the, mo- the, the, the mediums in which you use to deliver that course. So what type of lessons are you going to use? Are they going to be video lessons? Will some be audio lessons? Are you going to create some PDF content within there? You know, how 
accessible will the content be? Are you going to allow your users to download that content mm -hmm. onto their devices? Because with that comes, you know, they may send that content to their peers without necessarily that person being signed up to the course. So you have to be very specific in what you're allowed to be shared, what can't be shared, what can only be accessed within the within the site itself. So, so they're the types of things that you really have to give good thought to. Because when we initially launched the course, one of the things that I did was I created like loads of Google Sheets mm -hmm. in terms of those tables that I explained earlier. And what I realized was that that's our biggest asset. Uh, and what started to happen was I was just saying to people, okay, once you signed up, if you just send me an email, I'll give you access to those Google Sheets. And mm -hmm. we started to realize that people were just copying and pasting the content into their own Google Sheets and then sending it to other people. And mm -hmm. it's only then when we had people coming back to us saying, oh, I really want to use your course, but I've already seen all your tables. <laughs> You're like, wait, how, how did that happen? Um, <laughs> and then we realized, okay, well, what we need to do is we need to think about, you know, doing these as PDFs, which are not downloadable, that can only be accessed on the course itself when they've logged mm -hmm. in. And then that's how we we took back some control over that. So if I were to kind of restate what you said, um, yeah. a big part of it, the advice is when you're saying think about the structure and delivery yeah, yeah. method is yeah. thinking through like, what's the content that's that people are paying for? What's the exactly. content that's that you're willing to give away? Because yeah. you give away a lot of content on your website. I mean, you yes. can yeah. you can pretty much spend hours studying for this, just looking at the free content on your website, it seems like. True you had to, you have to make conscious decisions about like okay we're going to give away all of this type of content but these are the walls we're going to have the paywall where there's you can only get this content while you're paying or after you've paid in this format in particular yes that's correct that, that, that that's it um and i i think the other thing too that we're now considering as a business is how we move on to the next stage like how do we make our market bigger because we have a very niche community of the three and a half thousand doctors per year, for example. Mm -hmm. So so what we're now thinking about is is you know how do you how do you allow for expansion? How do you allow for growth? Uh, and that's where we're at the moment. And now we're thinking about different communities to tap in within the medical sphere. So you've mm -hmm. got your physician associates, you've got your medical students, you've got your advanced care practitioners, mm -hmm. um, you've got you know, junior doctors, you've got doctors who have qualified as family practice doctors, but still require some degree of support with different mm -hmm. elements of their career. So so you 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 want to future proof your brand to allow for growth. I think that mm -hmm. would be another thing that that that's definitely something that we've tried to build in here. Um and, and we'll see if it if it works in the in the next couple of months or years. Great. So that answered my next question, which was what's next for you guys? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So expanding expanding within the audience of the medical field, even probably mm. within the concept of like people education in the medical field, like expanding the courses or you know the offerings you've got to some other parts of that. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. This is uh this has been a great conversation. So thank you for coming on. I love talking to uh to people like you building uh building cool content, cool courses, doing a great job marketing that. Obviously the growth has been phenomenal. Um and amazing to me that uh you got your start with it uh using Kickoff Labs to validate yeah. that initial webinar. So <laughs> it's always fun for me to to meet uh, to meet people that have had that success start uh, from that starting point. Mm -hmm. um, so thanks again for being on and uh, I hope you have a, a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. It's almost bedtime here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks, Josh.